Welcome to the Spire Director's Commentary Podcast, recorded by Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. Following a successful Kickstarter campaign, we agreed to record commentary for each chapter of the Spire RPG, a fantasy punk game about insurrection, oppression, and horror, and release it to our backers. We wanted to talk about the decisions that led us to design Spire the way we did and show our working as best as possible. What you are about to listen to is a podcast made up of those files, arranged into blocks an hour or so long. We encourage you to start from episode one and move forward from there. Districts and factions of high society. Yeah, I really like high society. Yeah, it's an integral part of the setting, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, like I mean, like high and low society, are obviously too. Like, like the 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 battle between those two is is what's going on mm-hmm. in the game. And I think I, I find like um, because high society involves a lot of money, it generally involves like because they don't have to go out and do work all day. Um, they can have things like art, and so it can be quite visually interesting. Um, not not saying that low society doesn't have art, but they have like they have their own faction. Sorry, sorry, they have their own um, needs. Like they have to go out and earn money and not die. Yes. And so that that tends to reduce things from an aesthetic to more of a to more of a pragmatic purpose, and that certainly has its own place. And we'll get into low society. Um, but I think that just in terms of being able to to be creative and go wild, I really like high society from that, yeah, from that it's, respect. It's rare an elf here has chores. Yes, certainly. Uh, for example, Amaranth is carpented. Let me try that sentence again. Carpented. <laughs> carpented. For example, uh, Amaranth is incumbent. So Amaranth, the frozen home of the High Elves, is carpeted. I think that was something I wanted to get in really early on, was that they carpeted the streets. Yeah. Just how far away from anything we're used to it is. Um, they've got a uh, captured captured aurora. It wouldn't be aurora borealis because it's different goddess. Specifically on the borealis. Yes, but just some sort of auroras flit mm. around and light the place. And we're never super clear about how that works. Magic. Um, I sh- yeah, I assume they've got a machine somewhere. But let's let's talk about how amaranth grew. How did amaranth grow? I've actually forgotten. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm trying to throw over to you more. I'm worried that I'm, that I'm monopolising this process. No, no, it's fine. I'm I'm um, I'm honestly trying to think of how Amaranth grew. Okay. We didn't really understand Amaranth until we hit on the idea of masks. We liked the idea that you had that high elves had to wear a mask at all times, a bit like we wear trousers, or I, sp- I suppose more accurately, the bit the, the bit, like, the bit like the way we don't show our genitals in public. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's um, it, it, it's it's an integral part of who the Elfit are, mm. that they wear masks. Um, and from that, we managed to, like, we sort of inferred a lot about Elfia culture. We we had that one fact, and then we started spinning it out. And so, like, um, Elfia don't really appreciate natural beauty. No, they appreciate they, created beauty. Yes, and, like, so... A painting of a sunset done by an elf here is intrinsically better than looking at that sunset. Yeah, and why even their trees, they do sort of bonsai work on them. Mm. They alter and affect everything they touch. Yeah, we want to have that sort of that sort of perversion element to it. Mm. 
So masks are fun, and the idea that there are um, uh, dinner masks, drinking masks, wedding masks, poetry masks, hunting masks, sorrow masks, love masks, masks to wear whilst looking into a mirror, masks to wear while sorting through other masks, that sort of thing, in that they have... We we envisaged uh, high elf society as something which is never really... It's not written down anywhere. No, and if it is, it's a constantly changing book of etiquette. Hmm. And so most of high elf society and etiquette is convincing someone that you convincing the other people that you've done it right. Yes. Which is, I presume that's how it works. I, I, that's kind of how I get away with most stuff. <laughs> you, you just try and do it loudly enough whilst being tall. Uh, the thing, I, the thing I love about masks is that it, the person is always recognisable. Mm, they, so they always have their true mask. They have a them. they have a core mask, as it <laughs> were. Um, and if they're wearing a different mask, they'll hang the other mask from their belt like a badge. Mm. Or attach it to clothing like a brooch or something like that. Um, but it does make it very, very easy to impersonate an elf here. Yeah. Which they don't do themselves. No. That's like, that's a huge social faux pas. We we made the decision. But but it's like it's it's unthinkable. Mm. Like it's very strange to them to do it. It's like it's it's a bit like taking like I could certainly imagine borrowing someone's uh, mourning mask to go to a funeral, but taking another elf's true mask is akin to like cutting off someone's face and putting it over your face. Yeah, it's just not something you do. But everyone else does it, <laughs> which is really because like the drow have no such qualms, so they'll quite happily nick them and wear them. Yeah, we've got um, drow and humans living as elfir. Yeah, passing as it were. Yeah, and the, I mean the other things we've got, we've got the crystal temple. Um, which is where they where they draw in sunlight, which is kind of a um, kind of a what's the word cousin to the uh, to the lunar font. Yes, they draw in sunlight and then they they use sunlight to power this ice which never melts with magic. Somehow, I don't know. I don't like talking too much about magic. That's right, it's called frost. Put it this way: I love talking about magic, but I don't want to. I don't want to know how it works. No, otherwise it's not it's magic, magic anymore. It's magic, and like I assume, half of at least, at least a half of, of what all these occultists and uh, clerics are doing is completely unnecessary for it to work. Yeah, but it's it's not about that's about the rituals, about the the roads. And one really interesting part of Amaranth is the ice caves. Yeah, they informed Elfia physiology. Yeah, so we we created the ice caves after we came up with Everfrost, mm. and it's a it's a place that's the coldest Amaranth gets. Mm. Um, and you bathe in ice, which is very fashionable and a sort of relaxing sauna type experience. Mm. Um, and it's a f- one of the few places where people take their masks off, yeah, because they're in- they're completely secluded and it's it's all about relaxation. Mm-hmm. But then we began to think: so why do they like cold? What's mm. what's going on about this? Because because they're from the north. They're from the frozen north. Well, they're from the they're from um, Polaris, effectively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so we began to think, well, what happens when an elfir gets warm? Mm. And as an elfir gets warm, they get more unhinged. Yeah. They slowly become mad, essentially. So you and get was... elfir living down Spire, who are on edge more. And uh, crueler. More. Crueler and more prone and to more, violence. And more passionate as well. Yeah. They have emotions. Um and that was like it was something, and like I think in, in the book we mentioned something. Uh, so yeah, Yenna who stands on beams of sunlight, who went to um, Nujab and went entirely nuts. And I think that fits for the Elfir because we have them set up as explicitly magical, 
Yes. Uh, like they don't they don't follow normal physio- physiological rules. That isn't the sort of thing I'd want to do with the drow. No, because the drow here are human. Yes, we were trying were. to humanize them, and yeah. we were trying to make the elf here crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, let's move on to Ivory Row. Ah, yes, Ivory Row. We've been recently been detailing this. Yes, uh, we've been we've been rewriting um, some comments about this for the uh, for the High Society book, which is going to come out well, at some point in future, hopefully. <laughs> um, I think Ivory Row sort of came out around the idea of a Mrs. Havisham type character. Yeah, partly that and partly the fact that it's a memory of the fact that this area used to be drow. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it used to be the highest of the high society of drow homes. Mm-hmm. And now it's certainly not that. Mm. Now it's faded grandeur. Another thing which Chris and I like, in addition to demons and body horror, is faded grandeur. Yes. I find myself looking, runs through. looking at a lot of pictures of abandoned cinemas. <laughs> I, find, I, find that, I find it very calming. Mm. Especially if there's plants growing in them. But um, Ivory Row is is that. It's faded grandeur. It's um, huge crumbling mansions. And, 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 and because it's spire, I think there's also something of like something of the plantation about it as well. Yeah. That sort of like like uh, that house set far back, um, past those like past the, pa- past those those hanging trees, you know, like the the, the willows. Yeah, the Spanish um, moss and that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, Chris and I went to. Uh, so I I've I, I realised that throughout this throughout this um, commentary, I've just been talking about holidays I've been on and how they've inspired me. <laughs> well, that's how you learn and how you grow. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, and like I suppose it's been holidays and ripping things off that other people have written. So uh, Chris and I went on holiday uh, a couple of years ago. To we went to the deep south of America. We went to um, what was the place that was the scariest? Baton Rouge. Yeah, somewhere just outside Baton Rouge. Yeah, we were, we were driving, we were driving around outside Baton Rouge, which is in uh, Louisiana, and um, we were driving to go get dinner. And there were these plant, there were these old plantation houses set way back from the road, and. They were on stilts, otherwise the ground would take them. Yeah, like you could see the swamp in the back garden, <clears throat> and their swamp there, and just the like the 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 idea of biomass around there that like the land the land was trying to take this back, and, and like this thing we don't really have biomass in England. No, we've <laughs> we got woods. We've got woods. We've got mountains and shit. If you like, if 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 you go into the middle, and that's that's cool. But going to Louisiana was a real eye opener. In terms of just how much life you can get into a square foot, yeah, it was terrifying. Um, most of most of that life being at Chris's head height. <laughs> yeah, spiders everywhere. Yeah, I, but, it's um, not that I don't like spiders. I don't like them in my face. Yeah, you don't want to eat spiders. No, it was it was there was something unique. We felt uniquely small mm. next to the power of it, and I think I wanted I, I wanted to channel some of that. Um, like. I think rather than having nature, we'd have the city coming in to take over Ivory Row rather than the, um, you know, the swamp, the mangroves. But to have that sort of faded grandeur, and there's something there's there's, there's creepy, there's creepy nature there, and there's the echoes of an empire. Yeah, yeah, which we uniquely know as being British. <laughs> <laughs> yes, certainly. Yeah, we um, we did really well exporting people for a long time. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were we were really nasty and profited really well from it. Culturally, we were top notch at that, and uh, so we divided we divided Ivory Quarter up into three landlords, as it were. Um, there's um, 
so there's there's the original Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Havisham character. Mrs. Havisham is a. I think she's from Great, she from Great Expectations. I can't, you know, I can't remember now. I feel really I bad. Yeah, I know. Um, she might be. She might not be. Um, she's from a Dickens novel, anyway. And Gillian Anderson played her, which is why Chris and I know her. Yep. <laughs> but she is. Uh, she's sort of um, faded. Um, uh, woman who lives in a faded house and wears faded uh, wears a faded dress, and she's very mournful and sad. And we wanted to take that and sort of um, adapt it because I, I find that a really interesting image to play with. Um, I remember reading a lot of Tennessee Williams as well mm. growing up, and like really being engaged with that sort of that last grasp at grandeur and uh, um, the the idea of prettiness being being a passing thing and beauty not being a passing thing. And so Mrs. Havisham is uh, Lady Theron Thorns on Silk. Um, Theron, named after a friend of mine. <laughs> I, I, that's her name on Twitter. I thought Theron was a cool elf name. Um, but she is. She has big parties, and unlike Mrs. Havisham, she like she staples most people's faces. Yeah, she sutures them on, which which seems like a nice touch. Uh, she also mentioned as well. Um, we we wrote up Ivory Row, and we realised there weren't really any people in it. Yes. So we got the Sunlight Collective. We've got the Sunlight Collective, um, which uh, there are um, patches of roving sunlight going around the roof, and that's sort of like that's one, that's one of the strange miracles of Spire. No one knows how these windows are doing, and no one knows how they're like like they're interested in, in in understanding how these how these windows move and spread light around on the rooftops, and that just sort of happened. But they're essentially um, an occult version of uh, the sort of Warhol loft. Yeah, it's Bohemians, poets, artists, artists, and occultists. Yeah, it's a good place for idols to come from. Yeah, like I imagine a lot of idols come from there, and also it, like it gives you. I think we wanted a a bit like how in the in the Blue Docks we've got Elf Town. We wanted a low society route into uh, in, into Ivory Row. Yeah, and it's a really interesting place to to meet contacts. Yes, because. Because it's so bohemian, there are elfir, there are humans, and they're yeah. all on equal standing. Yeah, well, give or take, yeah. Yeah, but they're but they're not like I won't talk to you. You're a drow. Mm. And we also did the hidden. Yeah, um, because we had the, we had these like, these huge abandoned mansions, but it's spire, so people are going to break in there. Yeah, hundred percent. And then people people are going to live in there, and so we sort of invented this um, this minor economy. And culture of people of people avoiding guards and living in houses mm. without without the owners knowing that they're living there because everything's interconnected and everything like it's like it, it, I think it's it's like one giant mansion the whole place you know yeah um so we 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 put those people in um sorry then just to go back to the three we've got Mister Alas Alas Duval Alas Duval um who is a crime lord. Um, uh, oh, his, his ebon face face etched into a permanent rictus grin with strange drow surgeries. Mm-hmm. I forgot I wrote that. That's kind of good. Um, he, he he's crime lord. He runs a lot of the crime in um, in Spire, and then we have um, Archbishop Wynne, who is making a mega cathedral. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just converting as much as much of the building and architecture as he can into worship space. Yeah, and so like they've all got. They've all got their own plans, they've all got their own things going on, but we wanted to have it as a fairly sort of dead um dead or dying district. 
where yeah. you can like where it's not as well guarded as Amaranth, it's not as cosmopolitan as Silver Quarter, which we'll get on in, into a little bit. Um, we I think we wanted to talk about the the fall of empire and the the fact that that society has moved on. I think it's a good place for a safe house. Yes, a great place for a safe house. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like we want to illustrate that history without necessarily talking about it. Yeah. Um, like we've got we've got a we've got a couple of paragraphs saying it used to be great, but now it's now it's shit, and then we just talk about it. And I think that lets us, I suppose, show rather than tell, which is what you're supposed to do, isn't it? Yeah, that's the theory. Anyway, Silver Quarter. Silver Quarter. Crime Venice. Well, I, th- I think Venice is crime Venice. Honestly. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the Silver Quarter is casinos. It's Las Vegas. Yes, it's Las Venice. Yeah, Las Venice. I like that. <laughs> um, we wanted somewhere a bit gaudy, a bit swish, overstated. Um, and uh, we've always been interested in the the idea of Las Vegas. Like yeah. the mythology behind it. I don't, I don't think I actually want to go there. I think I do. I, well, I think different it's, it's a place of roaring excess and I'm intrigued. Yeah, um, I it's it's an interesting idea, and so we want like a, a place which is given over to gambling. Is is a is something which we want to explore, and I think we want to sort of drill down to it a bit and make it a bit more um, intriguing. Yeah. So we've got we've got lots of clubs. I think like the clubs was one of the first things which which we settled on, um, in that you can join them and they're interested. Like they're they're quite often recruiting. Um, members for secret societies. So, like a lot of the ministry, like the the, the high society branches of the ministry, will be drawn in through Silver Quarter clubs. Um, yeah, and we wanted that feel of like London's gentlemen clubs who go off on weird hunting expeditions. Yeah, not quite. Like I think we wanted to sidestep the Hellfire Club. Yeah, we yeah. Or like 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 to say yeah, the Hellfire Club is here, and if you want to go and have weird sex. And um, get a bit rowdy with the devil or what have you. You can go and do that, but here are some more interesting clubs. I mean, there's a lot of charitable organisations. There's yes, all sorts of stuff. This is the home of the Stolzians. The yes, the Stolzians. Um, named after Greg Stolzi. Uh Stoltz, Stoltzo. How's it pronounced? He, his name is pronounced Stolzi. Okay. And These are pronounced Stoltz. <laughs> yeah. And it's um, yeah, it's 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 a fun place to go. We've we've set an entire campaign there, an entire campaign um, uh, frame called yeah. um, Kings of Silver, where you design, where you have to go and destabilize the different people. And so we've written up a few NPCs for that. Um, we also have um, just while we're talking about the the language of Spire, the house is the sort of the gang who runs who, who run the Silver Quarter. Yeah. Um, and they are they are operate they are in they're commanded by a a small and intense drow called Mezier So. And um Mezier So so uh, Mezier is uh, it, it's basically drow for Mister. Yeah. There's uh, M- uh, Mezier um is Mr. Maji is is Mrs. and uh, Met is generalis. As a term of um of referring to uh, a senior status. But for for about a week, Chris and I were obsessed with Polari. Yeah, I love Polari. Um, it's such a beautiful I, language. That's the thing. Like, I, 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 I too adore it. There's not a great deal of resource about it online. Um, but Polari is a it's it's a it's an invented language, and by invented I mean it was 
it's it's kind of a patois or a slang which arose out of the fact that which, which came out of the gay scene in that it was illegal to be gay um, back until what, shit, like 1960 I think <laughs> like for too long yeah for too long and so they had a series of code words like a cant which they'd use to describe people um, and, and, and and to describe situations and like uh, so like uh, bonner meant good for example yeah and um, so or so um, you say is he so oh yeah he's so which means is he that way or is he gay yeah and Mr. So is canonically in our heads gay. We yeah. don't mention it anywhere. <laughs> we don't, I don't think I don't think he's actually dating anyone. No, not necessarily. Um, but he is, as far as as far as I remember, gay. And that's just that was that was. I don't know. It was really weird because like we we wanted to try and I, I certainly have been keen to try and be try and be as inclusive as I can of all sexualities, genders, races, that sort of thing in the in the game. Um, and like we we had we had a, a sensitivity reader come in and sort of just give us the thumbs up uh, to make sure it, we hadn't written anything absurdly heinous. But I think I just I just sort of decided he was gay, and then I didn't want to write. Oh, and by the way, he likes dudes. Yeah, it's so hard to write without just saying it. Yeah, I think I mean something like we've got. I mean we've got. Um, I mean the Jukes by from what I can tell. Yep. Well, yeah. Um, I think I figure most elves are bi. I figure that. I figure that like most most Elfia don't really most Elfia are probably pan. Yeah, yes, definitely. They don't really mind. Not not that it's debauched being pan, but that they they aren't hugely bothered. Yeah, they just it's just not something they think about about what you've got going on down there, and it's 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 not a thing I really wanted to think about. Like I think there's there is there's enough discrimination and marginalisation in the game. Um, of on a racial level that we I didn't think we wanted to sort of get any stuff in there on a sexual level. Yeah. Um, so yes. Anyway, moving on. We've got. Um, moving on, we move on to the next section. Mm, low society. So, districts and factions of low society, beginning with low, Derelictus. Low society. Derelictus is... I'm still not happy with the name Derelictus. Like, it's stuck. It just seems a bit like the first name I came up with, which it was. Yeah, but I like it. it uh, it's glad. very indicative of what the place is. Yeah. Um, Derelictus is the is the second worst place to be in Spire. I think <laughs> the best way to describe it. It's right unless you're in the actual heart. Yes. So everything runs down here. All the all the um the poor, the desperate, the garbage, the um sewers, everything just filters down here and it's pretty grim. Um we wanted to have a place where where it's kind of people can come from there. Yeah. And you can go back there for certain reasons. Like we we struggled to come up with uh plot hooks. Um, for uh, low society, I think the same way we did with high society. So, like the occult is dripping with plot hooks. Yeah, it's really yeah. easy to get stuff like, or like to 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 take a bit of weirdness and then build a plot around that. But a lot of the problems with low society and high society is this is a place where people live and work, but it's not hugely exciting. No, it's their home in that respect. Like... Yeah, there's there's a reason why people go off to strange places to have adventures uh, and have done since we started writing stories. 
so we we struggle with that for a bit, but we still got some we still got some weird things in there. So like um, the hemlock fruit market for me was something which I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about how the drow were trying to cling on to their culture yeah. somehow. So there's a there's a there's the the hemlock fruit market has um, tunnels to the home nations, which is one of the few secure routes to get people in. Um, and by, by by secure, I mean it's hugely dangerous, but you, <laughs> but you bypass customs. Yes, important. Um, so you can sneak in illegally. You're not um, you're not counted for the um, for the durance call, um, call up that sort of thing. And, and it's so also an me... interesting way of getting out of Spire should you need to. Yeah, although God knows what happens then because we haven't written that part of the game. <laughs> Good luck. If, like buy a different game at that. Point. I mean, you know, an interesting thing of you've done something up Spire and now you need to escape. Mm. So we talked about Hemlock Fruit Market. We've got um, like we 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 wanted a bit of weirdness to come in there. We wanted a bit of like a place where you could go and have some traditional home nations dinner. Yep, there's a lot of grand goo from around that area. Yeah, definitely. And then we just take everything else and make it weird. So we've got the Cannibals of Grist, who I adore. Yep, King Teeth. Uh, King Teeth, who is a god but didn't want to be. Uh, who, we, who we've discussed earlier in this in this discussion, and the Church of, Church of Absolution as well, who are who are um, nihilists, nihilists, who who worship the idea of destruction, um, and finally civilization, which is uh, which is another backer bar. Yeah, which, which is which, which is the shining point of occultism. Yes, in Derelictus, and like one of the one of the things which I want to, to talk about in Derelictus as well, which which didn't quite make it through because we had enough occult elsewhere, is that that's where the really grimy cults are. Yes, that's where like that's that's where the bad cults go because no one's going to see them. As no, it were. nobody's going to so, bother them all the way down. Yeah, there. and I think like it it was already grim enough. Yeah. And so we wanted to, I think, have it as a place where people live, and then also, as it turns out, like here are some interesting cults. Here, like here are some things which may well interest the the ministry from this point of view. Mm. And perch, 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 damned perch, strapped to the side of the spire. <laughs> like if you if, if you want to live in a more dangerous place, good luck. Yeah. People love perch. People love being there and going to there because it's it's kind of it's like it's it's exciting in that you can fall off and die. Yeah, and it occasionally gets crushed by sky whales. Yeah, but it like it's it's I think like perch was I'm 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 happy with perch from a like, from a game design point of view um, because we take something mundane and make it exotic. Yeah, like the fact that you're hanging off the side is normal to you, but weird to us, and so we can play with that. Also, I absolutely adore the art. Yeah, it is a lovely um, picture. I like how I like how normal those guys. Like that's that's just an evening for those guys. Yeah, and, it just you know, normalizes dangling a mile from the top of a of a just, structure. Just smoking a cigarette, hanging off, and, and chatting, and fixing something, or watching something. I, I, I don't know what they're up to, but what they're doing now is being sociable and having a cigarette, and that that for me really rings true. And I like that. I'm really I'm really happy with with, with how with how Adi managed to capture that. Yeah, and it's also the home of the bound. One of yeah. the player classes. That's uh, who are, where they originate from. Yeah, who are rogues, as it were. The vigilantes. Yeah. They are, what is it, a Shibari Batman, is what I still <laughs> call them, because they, yeah. like, they, 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 they cover themselves in red ropes, um, and they hang out on gargoyles and stab people. Pretty well, effectively, stab actually. people, does he? Sorry? Pretty effectively. Yeah, pretty, pretty good at stabbing. 
Um, and we wanted to have, like, uh, I think we, we just wanted to sort of give them a bit more... Um, we wanted almost everything in Spire. We've taken, we've taken the idea and we're like, all right, but let's, make, let's muddy the waters a little bit. Mm. So if you're playing a bound, I mean, odds are, I've never seen a bound, I've never seen a bound play that I'd want to have dinner with. No. Uh, they're always unhinged, dangerous people. But we want to take the bound and then say, like, oh, and by the way, they're basically a protection racket now. And not not just like the knights are a protection racket because that, that's 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 sort of informed. It's like we're not going to change that unless you get some really high level advances. Um, but we wanted to have like if you're if you're playing a bound, the odds are probably why you're not hanging around with them anymore is that they're not doing justice. Yeah. And then um, finally, not finally. Sorry. Next we've got the garden district. Oh, which, go on. Which is a, which is a lovely district. Yeah. Um, beautiful art for that. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous oh, art. Stunning and stark, and I, I I really like the Garden District because mm. it anchors the whole of Spire. Go on. Uh, it's it's the place that most of their food is produced, and it's mm. it's very worker day. Yeah. Um. So an awful lot of durances are carried out in the Garden District. Mm. Um. A lot of people just work there because that's where they work, and it also has the Hanging Gardens. Yeah. Which, Which is, is one of the grossest things inspired. The gothest available means of getting food. Yeah, where and then, corpses are sold and mushrooms are grown from them. <laughs> I don't think that's even how you get mushrooms, you know. <laughs> you can do it, though. It does work. Oh, okay, cool. Um, again, because this is a place where people work and people live, we struggle to get some stuff here, but we, we, we focused, I think, more on the idea of... Um, well, we've got we, we've got myths, for example. So, like, we've got the the beast of A sixty seven. Yeah, and interestingly, they're more they're more fairy tales. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. What, 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 oh no, sorry, sorry it's, it says the beast is real. There we are. Yeah, but <laughs> okay, they're, right. but they're more of that fairy tale angle. Like, if you mm. want to do adventuring in a forest, you can get away with that in the Garden District. Yeah, you can actually. There are forests, and there's definitely forests of mushrooms. Yeah, and um, and at night, certainly, like you can go out and have um, adventures in the in the orchards that are exposed to the uh, to the sunlight. There certainly are. There certainly are orchards. There's also uh, th- th- this is where the vis turn up. The viscant. Yep. Um, in that they are being uh, they are being sold in cheap bread. <laughs> um, by someone called Devin Quintrell. Which is such a name. That's, that's good, isn't it? I quite like, quite like that. Yeah. It's also, also like, I just want to say, it's been so long since I've written most of this. I'm going back through, I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, well, well done, us. <laughs> Love that sentence. That's a cracker. Um, we've, we've also got another here. We've got one of those conspiracies, like the City Druids and the Living Spire. Yeah, and uh, again, it's want... another look at how the Spire works and a potential truth. Yeah, potential truth, a potential end game, as it were. And then we've got the works. The heart of industry in the Spire. Which I think Chris has, Chris has really... Uh, this is another one of the ones which Chris took on. Mm. Um, I think the most important thing about the works, aside from the fact that it explains how all the technology is in Spire, is the printing presses. Yeah, the newspapers. The home of, the home of information dispersal in, in the Spire. Yeah. So we've got everything from a sort of Tatler analogue... Which all is the, the silhouette. Way, yep, all the way down to revolutionary presses with Liberate. Yeah. Um, we, like, I think we, we wanted to have, um, in fantasy terms, the sun, 
the Telegraph. Sorry, it was the Financial Telegraph, so it combined the Telegraph and the Financial Times, the two most boring papers we'd think of. <laughs> um, the, uh, so Tatler with a silhouette. Um, I suppose the Socialist Worker would liberate, but it's like an illegal Socialist Worker. Um, the Torch, which is the Sun. Ambrosia, which is Heat Magazine, but for um, deacons. Yep. Uh, and we just, like, we wanted to play it. And so uh, Tim, uh, our map artist, he did he did some newspaper um prints, like some newspaper clippings for, for backers. And absolutely gorgeous. He's written them in character. Um, and I will say one thing about Tim. He is much better at writing in that voice than I am. <laughs> yeah. um, which 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 is which has posed a unique challenge in that I now can't write parts of my own game because he's done it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um I think I, I remember reading uh Pedido Street Station. Um that's the it's the I think the illegal newspaper, the uh the the Rungate Rampant. I can't remember what it's called. I believe called. it's called. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters is a journalist for that. And it seemed like... like I, I remember being quite taken by um, her initiative and her curiosity. And I think that like those things are really going to work well as patrons um, for, for Spy, uh, Chris's Run Game, where the, where the editor of Tatler... Uh, sorry, the editor of The Silhouette, played by, I believe, Glenn Close. Yep, yep. I did uh, a Devil Wears Prada. Was the... <laughs> Game, Chris's second favorite film. So good. Uh, what, what's your What's your favorite? Is, is it The Breakfast Club your favorite film? Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller for a time. Yes, of course. Yes, that's true. And also, um, with Nell and I. Yeah, that's hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's There's a lot you can do with that. There's a lot of uh, leads, and like, if you just want, if you just, if you want to have something like a almost like a Monster of the Week campaign. Or, well, I suppose, like an Elfear of the Week campaign, or a reason for people to go and do things. A, uh, a newspaper can be a box which just drops information on you. Yeah, which can be quite useful. We also got Spire Black here. Yeah, so Spire Black is um, phlegm. Yeah, it's city phlegm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like really grimy ambrosia. Like one of the things that we did when we were designing Spire mm. was thinking about it like some of the cults think about it. Like, if it is a living spire, which bit is which? Mm. And the works was the lungs. Yeah. So this so, so this is this choking black smoker's lung. Mm. Con- condent- condensate. It's it's slightly flammable. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's, fla- it's, well, it's very flammable, but it's... It, Sorry, in, in, its, in its raw state, yeah. it's slightly flammable, and then you can do stuff to it. Yeah, you do stuff to it, and you, you refine it, and it's... And it gives off this thick black smoke, which is what yeah. most of Derelictus is lit with. Yeah, red um, row, and like most most guns which you use will use spire black uh, powder rather than proper gunpowder. Yeah, so they're louder, they're noisier, and they're smokier. And they produce this horrible greasy smoke. Yeah, and like every time someone fires a gun in spire, like you can't see what's going on for the next ten minutes. <laughs> which I which 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 I which I like. I think that's just kind of a fun vibe to that. Yeah. We also um in, in, in researching what you can do with Spire Black, um, like it's kind of like it does ink as well, it does lanterns, it does bullets, it does um all sorts of stuff. It's kind of it's what it's 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 one of those um magical things which you put in place to cover over some of the slightly bigger gaps in your yeah, story. Smooth over the edges. We learned about ivory black. Hmm. Which is a kind of ink you make by burning ivory. And there was something which really impressed us about how how 
evil. That was <laughs> yeah, like the height of decadence. Yeah, I, I had an elephant's tusk burned to write through this letter, my darling. It was and like like decadence, but also like long distance cruelty. Yes. That uh, um from from having Spire Black, we then we then like got that into the printing presses, but also the Half Stand Horrors and yeah, uh, the, the Spire Black novels. Sensations. The like pulp novels. Mm, um which are, there's an appendix of. Yes, there's a there's a D ten table. Um and we got, I, I got to do a lot of fun research. I don't really like doing research, except if it involves me looking at the uh covers of pulp magazines from the nineteen fifties. <laughs> which is always entertaining. Crabs ate my wife that sort of thing. I I, I absolutely adore those. I I think like there's there's something brash and fascinating about them. Uh, the works is also the home of Grey Manor. Yes, Chris's, services. Chris's so Chris's pet PI. This is where you, this is where you do your film noir games. Yeah. Um and I think it's it's it's, it's one of the noiriest districts. Yeah. Um between this and I think like um perch is probably pretty noir as long as you don't fall off. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're right swimming from a rope occasionally. Cuz because like cuz you've got that moonlight. Yeah. Coming in. Um I got to do a bit, you can see here, um, there's the uh, last paragraph in the uh, Gods of Fire, Gods of Metal and Gods of Profit, uh, where I got to make up gods. Which you love. Which I love. I also mentioned, I, 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 one thing I, I forgot to mention, um, in the in the Sky Docks, the, uh, in the Sky Docks section, um, we have a bit where there's a chapels to, uh, to gods which aren't very popular in Spire, a cosmopolitan, uh, foreign gods basically. And one of those is Pleur. And Pleur is a giant... It's, uh, it's, sorry, I, I forget precisely how it's pronounced. It's you with an umlaut. Yeah, Pleur. Pleur, um, who, uh, Pleur is, a, is, a, is a god and also a giant toad who sits at the middle of the city of Pleur. <laughs> and he is worshipped. And occasionally just eats people. Pleur. And he's no more than a sentence, and I've fallen in love with Pleur. <laughs> he seems Pleur is glorious. He see, it seems like such a lovely story. There's this big toad they built a city around. But yeah, um, I got to I got to mention I, I got to make up gods. So another thing that you can go and visit is Ptolemy Bay. Yes, um, he's one of yours. He's one of mine. The, the gun runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you need a huge amount of guns, say for a revolution. <laughs> Yeah, probably, so that's always convenient. Probably somebody you want to get on side. Yeah, also cool name, good, good, good choice on that one. I, I, I just love Ptolemy Bay. It's a, it's a nice thing to say. Mm. And um, Sun on Water. So Sun so, on Water is super interesting. It's the it's, it's only a small paragraph, but it's the only place that you can conceivably get magic weapons. Yeah, the um, the Elphia. If if you have a weapon made by an Elphia, you can hit ghosts with it. Yep. We haven't said why or anything. I think we just want we wanted Elphia to have something about them. They, yeah, they, again, they, they it's that magical that origin. Yeah, it's that Elphia. It's that. It's that. It's that. It's, it's dehumanizing them, as mm. it were. Um, uh, Feification, I suppose. Yeah. And Sun and Water is a is a is, is an elf who does things like makes knives using moonlight. Yes, so so Sun and Water is is one of the people who's profiting from stealing the condensed moonlight from the observatories. Yeah, sure. And also, like, I just imagine that she'll go out and expose her blades to moonlight and work them in some way, and that makes them sharper. Like, 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 like she's sharpening them on moonlight. Yeah, 
that sort of thing. And overall, the works is overall like, all the low society places. This is where a lot of your games are going to take place. Yeah, or at least at least the beginnings of them. Yeah, this is where people are from. This is where this is where your allies. This is where the people that you're trying to save are. And so there's going to be there's going to be some elements there. It's like high society is a place generally that you visit to go and do your dirty deeds. Mm, yeah, it's not a place that you spend bundles of time. No, um, and like one one thing which which I'd be really, in, really interested in exploring is having one uh, like we did with the Silver Quarter is a game which focuses on a district. Yeah, um, I think like when you do a deep dive into it, there's there's a lot of fun to be had about having how's this street different from this street and learning that through play. Yeah, because it's not something we wanted to write down. Like this street has this on it. Well, this road that, has that, this that would have it. taken ages. <laughs> it would have taken ages, and it would have and been not, unfun to read. Yeah, not fun to write, not fun to read. So we we've gone for some we've gone for some briefer stuff. But I, I think like there's. We, we we hope that we've given you enough in each of these sections to give you something which you can start off with and then have an idea around. Yeah, so you've got the tone, you've got the feel for yeah. the area, and then you can you can innovate within that. Yeah. Let's move on to our Let's... favourite bit, the occult. Districts and factions of the occult. Districts and factions of the occult, possibly the juiciest bit of the book. Mm. Literally, <coughs> it's the wettest, the greasiest. Yeah, and if you're listening to tabletop audio, you know just how juicy. <laughs> yes, um, if you're if you are listening to this, please do go to tabletopaudio.com and check out all the spire tracks. Unfortunately, the way that the website's set up, we can't just link to the spire tracks, so you just have to go to the front page and find them. But they're they're gorgeous, and I'm and really glad that we got spire. them. They're easy to yes. find. Yeah, uh, mission is um, is sticky, and um, we asked we we asked for the noise that trains that the, the, the rails make when a train's coming. But before you hear the trains, that sort of ching, that, ching, that ching. twang. Oh, I love yeah. it! Love that noise. So, so the first up, yes, the Vermissian, um, which means worm-like. In yeah, I think it... I think in my in my broken Latin. Yeah, as it burrows through the spire, and indeed mm. the heart, which is the part part of the problem. Yeah, we're starting to get weirder here. Mm. In that most of the stuff we mentioned up until now, it's either been weird or foreign, and therefore weird, like with amaranth. And now we get into the cult, we can afford to just get daft with it <laughs> and have and have Go weird ahead. front and center. Um. As we mentioned earlier in this sh- in this uh, commentary, my Vermissian's weirder than Chris's. Mine is a howling network of hungry ghosts where um, hell trains smash through walls and destroy people. And Chris's is basically just like the central line. <laughs> it's it's worse than the central line. Well, I don't know, like rush hour central line. <laughs> no, mine mine starts off slow. Yeah, I, I do more of a creeping horror, mm. and Grant does more of a slasher film. We we have no we have we have in no means attempted to map the Vermissian. Tim has Tim yeah. did Tim named a load of stations, <laughs> um, and so it was it was kind of nice to have him come up with station names because he's quite good at that. But we've got uh, we've got Endline I think which is kind of the Endline is. I think you could put an entire campaign in Endline and never leave. Yeah, it's that sort of place. 
there are uh, an end line is a giant junkyard full of broken train bits um and there are gangs who run here and again i just i i just got the chance to make up a few a few things and not really describe them very well the razor fingered murkers the razor fingered murkers the acrobatic crows the quaffered and filthy dandy boys dandy the, boys we had uh, the train worshipping kerberites um the um the Kerberites uh, turned up in my game of um, Blood and Dust. In the um, the people went, uh, my my group went down into Endline because that's featured quite heavily in Blood and Dust, the sample um, adventure we sent out with the Kickstarter. And they were like, and 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 my knight said, "Oh yeah, there's a bar down here. Uh, it's run by the Kerberites." And so we, I like, all all five of us around the table basically invented a train religion. <laughs> Um, from that sentence, and we sort of went off on it, and like, yeah, and like he had he had a magic weapon, which was a uh, which was the lever from a train, which <laughs> um, is fun. And they they converted him to to worship our glorious lady instead of trains, because like she does stuff unlike trains, and that was that was tremendously good fun. I think like Endline is what I wanted to evoke with Endline when I was when I was much younger. Um, I remember reading. The forerunner to Necromunda. It was called Confrontation, and it was published in the uh, late eighties by Games Workshop uh, in a series of White Dwarf articles. And it was it was kind of a it was a it was a deep dive into Warhammer Forty Thousand um, culture based around a single place, based around the, the the hive city of Necromunda, and. They didn't have a great deal of time and space because because they were working in a magazine. They couldn't have these huge explanations as to what everything was. Uh, to what everything was, and also I didn't have access to all the information. I just had like a couple of pieces that, that had been scanned and put on the internet. And so I remember reading about these gangs and reading about these strange and like weirdo drugs they were taking and strange weapons and cultures and being like, man, I I, I wonder what they are. And I never found out. <laughs> and I, I think I'm kind of happy. I'm kind of happier with that because. Yeah, it, it, it's better to have the mystery sometimes. Yeah, precisely. And so I think with Endline, I tr- like that last paragraph. I tried to have like, look, there's loads going on down here. A bit like with the uh, with the instrumentalists. Mm, yeah, there are there is lots going on stuff which you won't necessarily be privy to, but it's happening. Yeah, we've got things like the last train, the only train still running on the Vermissian. I like the way that it's half a shrine. Yeah. You gotta have, got have a mobile shrine somewhere in a book, right? It's kind of a not a god, but almost like a bound demon, and they've built a shrine around it to try and control it and control with it. And I like the way that it doesn't need rails; it just goes, <laughs> it just does its thing. It's like it's it's daft, it's fucking stupid, but there's something fun about it. This is also the originator of where um, the uh, where the vigil are from. Yeah, the shrine, here, shrine um, to Our Lady of Vengeance. These two paragraphs. Um, informed that, and then they really got out of hand as as we sort of uncovered the fact that there'll be a fun foil for players. But it just goes to show how, when we leave stuff open ended, how you can just take it as far as you want to. Yeah, and I mean, how we take it as far as we want yeah. to as well. Yeah. Briefly discussing the art as well here. Um, I really <laughs> like how he's got. I really like how Eddie did did the tunnels up, but it's implied that you're supposed to go up them. Yeah. And how it looks old, and how it looks Art Deco, like it's not. It doesn't look like the rest of Spire. And how the rain on whatever that is is going yeah. up. Yeah. What is that? Do you think? I have no idea, but I love we, it dearly. We didn't ask for it, and I'm very glad he drew it. I think it's a very large gutterkin. <laughs> yes. Or, or you're very you, close to it. 
Yes, you're very clever. It, it could just be mouse size. That'd be very cute. <laughs> Darling little four-eyed mm. beak. Is that a I beak? It's a tongue, I think. Like, it could be a really embarrassing nose. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> And what what the reason why the Vermissian is strange? We've also got the vault here. We talked about the Vermissian vault with the uh, with the sages earlier on. Yeah. Um, the reason why the Vermissian is strange is it punctured the heart. The reason why I think I, I wanted to have the Vermissian on there is I wanted to have I wanted to have something which was abandoned. Yes. Like built and abandoned, and the, the it's abandoned because it pierced the heart and it's haunted and nightmarish in there. Otherwise, it would just be a place where people lived. Yeah. Um. And certainly, there are people who live in the heart, who live in the uh, Vermissian, but it's not great. And it's ag- not it's not the sort of place you want to hang out. And again, looking at the spire as, as living, it's a yeah. circulatory system. Yes, um, Tim went on to double down on that by calling them uh, veins and arteries. Yeah, for the in and out. Um, I'd like, I'm, I'm I'm always impressed with the level of non restraint Tim shows when dealing with my work. <laughs> I've, hired, I've I've hired him for I've hired him for several projects. He's, he illustrated some of my earlier games. And he's just thrown setting at it, even when we haven't asked him to. Being that there is a snack van on the map. There's a snack van on the map. And it's like, I dig that it's not it's not canonical. And I've long given up trying to control Tim. <laughs> I just sort of, I, I, I let him go at it. And I think that whatever I might lose in terms of creative control over it, I gain more in terms of just putting his giant weird brain on stuff. However, it pierced the heart. Yeah, the centre of weirdness of the spire. The heart is an excuse for everything weird to come out of. It is. It is our. I think. Perhaps at one point, this like the heart was a demon, or it was a portal, or there was something weird. And now I think the official explanation of the heart is that the spire is the spire itself. The structure is so tall, and so non-feasible to exist that at the middle of it, reality's rotting. Yeah. It's just... Well, well, how is it you described it? It's um, flaking off like burning paper. Yeah. Like like, like burning photographs, I think, yeah. yeah. And it's... Um, that's... There's, there's a circular logic around that, that it's so unreal it gets less real. But we wanted a place to put everything that was weird, but but also have it like... like The thing is, the heart... With the Vermissian, the heart can come out. The heart can find you. Yes. Wherever you are. Yeah, it, and there's occultists, there's practitioners. It can flood. Uh, but we wanted a place you could go where the weird was. And again, it's another place you can set whole campaigns around. Mm. It's, Chris, it's, a, it's a great place if you don't want to do a revolutionary game, yeah. you want to do horror, not you want to do investigation. Talk to us about Blood Witches, because they're yours. <laughs> so I, I figured that the heart was not just weird, but suffering in some way. Mm. Um, and so they carries this this blood disease that mm. blood witches make pilgrimages to to infect themselves mm. to give themselves the same sort of powers that the heart has, mm. and that's how blood witches came about. Yeah, and that they they're carrying a magical blood disease, which is slow, very slowly killing them, but giving them lots of power in the meantime. It's slowly enough that it doesn't come up in mechanics. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you've got three sessions to live. Yeah, that's not what. That's not. That will not be what kills you. It will probably be a mob. Yeah. Can I talk about hunger witches briefly? Yes, you can. So, 
look, I have a lot of ideas. If anything, I have slightly too many ideas. Chris is there to keep me in check. I love him for that. That's important. It's an important relationship the pair of us have built up together. Especially in this case. So Hunger Witches was... We were, I was trying to hash out how the Blood Witches would work as a, as a, as a class. Um, we, like, we'd agreed to cut them from the core book, and I was sitting at home. I was just knocking out some ideas about what sort of things they could have. I was like, like what if they were a mother of monsters? So they, they're kind of a summoning class... Uh, and they physically give birth to monsters. And I was like, that seems a bit overplayed. And also monstrous feminine, which I'm not really digging on. And like, there's some, there's some of the monstrous feminine in Blood Witch, but it's more, um, I think it's, it's, it's more inhuman than, uh, girls. Yeah. Uh, so we cut that and we, g- we gave them more blood magic. Uh, initially, actually, actually, here's, here's a fun fact. They were hackers. Yep. Many moons ago, um, the Blood Witches were set up to be hackers, as we wanted to give, like, we wanted to have some sort of hacking equivalent because we were running an espionage game. We wanted to take the ideas of what hackers do and then put them in magic, so they could do things like um, they uh, they cut their palm and put it on a wall, and then they could feel the heartbeats of everyone inside the building, a bit like hacking the security cameras. Yeah, and those those powers kind of got moved to the midwife, yes, and sweetlings and yeah. powers like that. Um, and also, like, the idea of them being hackers was very much put, put by the wayside. Yeah. Um, so, the the uh, the birthing monsters thing, I moved over to something called the Hunger Witch, which was the idea was that if the Blood Witches were created when a, when a woman made a pilgrimage to the heart, if a man made a pilgrimage to the heart, um, and, like, obviously exceptions on both sides, but the majority of men who made a pilgrimage to the heart became Hunger Witches, in that they became married to the Spire. Mm-hmm. And so they Which is make... a good premise, I'd like to point out. Thank you very much. And then then, then I goofed it. Mm. <laughs> In that they'd make wombs out of stone and earth and spire building materials and then impregnate them the way you think they would. Manually. Manually impregnate them. I believe the word rutting. Yeah, that did pop up. For up to an hour. Was, that, was, that was the phrase I used. And then a horrible monster comes out and it under your control, kind of. Uh, monsters such as Crow Thing, the Needletooth Child, and the Riddle Pig. The <laughs> Riddle Pig, that bloody The pig. Riddle Pig! It was a pig which, oh. um, which drove you mad. Whispered and, secrets and drove you mad. And Chris and Mary took me to one side and said, no. <laughs> Just no, we can't do this. No, no, we ha- and and also you've already promised the people hunger witches. So Grant, what are the hunger witches? But not that. Yes, <laughs> anything but that. And thus Grangu were born. And thus Grangu, and so hunger witches are now witches which deal with hunger rather than. Um, I think they 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 came out of that. The, the the reason that they were called hunger witches, the the um, f- stone fucker class. <laughs> was the like the hungry deep the idea that the deep and decay and strangeness they could summon that mm. um but they were they have been retired fully they're not even npcs now no so i mean feel free to put that in your game if you want a if very want... specific game yeah uh, i think chris chris made me uh chris made the very good point about hunger witches in that a problem comes up <laughs> in game and the character the player to the others and go and goes all right i've got a solution for this give me an hour and i'll bring you a pig (laughs) (laughs) which didn't really fit with our aesthetic yeah um i think i I, yeah 
so we 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 removed them from the game and i'm 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 glad i think i I'd gotten a little bit ahead of myself and I'm glad that they were they were pulled yeah uh we've also got uh the moon garden, which is drow heaven yep which is which materializes here in spire yeah um because because why not eh yeah. Why not? Stick it in there. It's the heart. It doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah, I mean, just... this is the place where the cave is. This is the home of the Viscount. Yes. So this is a um, place of barriers breaking down. Yeah. I believe when you go to the Moon Garden in Spire, you are actually on the moon. Like, you can look down and see Spire where you are. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that works, but it is fun. And, like, um, the high-level um, Lejeune power involves going here. Yeah, specifically to bring people back. I think, like, I think the heart's actually our longest section. Yeah. Because um, there's just so much interesting stuff we wanted to put in here. I mean, it's got the deep apiarists in it. Yeah, well, like, certainly the, um, like, where they where they came from. Mm. I seem, like, I, I think, like, we mentioned them, I think it was, um, one of one of our playtesters was like, oh, you should make a deep apiarist class. Like, as a joke? Yeah. And then everything really got out of hand? Yeah, well, bees are order. Yeah, bees are order. So they're the they're the antithesis of the heart, which is chaos. Mm. And so to have the idea that you can like to have their structure, the the fact that they built structure, there's something. Uh, it's it's the opposite of decay. Mm. And so to take them into your body and have them replace your organs with wax, um, just seems like a natural progression. Yeah, it's somehow better. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> It works better now. Uh, this We've is also got... the home of the best named Elphir in the world. Um, which is? Which is near, dirt-wise towards the unshining it flowered. <laughs> Who has a bacchanal down here. Just a continual nightmare party. Yep. And like, I think, I think the buck wildest we got was Vanishing Point. Which was, this, this was Chris's idea. Um, which is why it hasn't been cut, because I think if I came up with it, he would have made me remove it. <laughs> Possibly, actually. Um, it, 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 it is an imperfect copy of Spire in its entirety, contained in the basement of Spire. Yeah, so I always, I was always fascinated growing up with those, those images that taught you how to draw perspective. Mm. But they did it to such a point that, it, that there was literally a vanishing point. There was a single yeah. point at which all of reality converged. Yeah. Um... And Vanishing Point is that. It is a street which you walk down. And you, you can yourself. go through that singularity. Yeah. But as you do, your opposite comes through. So it's like fetches and mirrors. Mm. Um, but you can go and get imperfect versions of things from the other side. Or like or, or like perfect things is, is the other thing. So like they're imperfect in as much as you can get a key and that key will fit the first door you put it in because that's what keys do. Yeah. And it deals in much broader strokes than reality. Yeah. Um, if you want my advice, don't go there. Not not because, oh, it's dangerous and you'll die. It just opens up a lot more complexity to the game. <laughs> <laughs> it does make things very confusing, but I wanted it. I could see it being fun in terms of, like, not but perhaps, like, you make a pilgrimage to um, Banishing Point, or the game starts off as all, as all five of you walk down Banishing Point, and then over the game you work out what it, like why you went there. Yeah, um, and possibly having a Silent Hill style game, so you have Spire and you have the Unspire, and like sometimes the Unspire comes and takes you. Yes, that could work wonderfully. That could, that, that could be neat. Um, but you'll know, yeah, the heart is just where, where we put weird stuff. 
we wanted to try and get um, a place to have weirdness in because we like that. You know, we uh, Chris grew up on Call of Cthulhu. Yep. I grew up on World of Darkness, and we. I think we wanted to have a portal from which it could come, a place in which, like, a place you can go home from, as well. So it's not just like, oh, well, down every street there's nightmares. No, down every street there's people and probably a pub. Yeah. Like, there's problems it's not... down every street, but... <laughs> yeah. But, like, you can probably get a drink, you know? And, like, you can maybe get some peace and quiet. I I think we, we wanted to have the heart as a place where unreality and nightmarishness is and you can go and visit it and it might come out and find you. But there is a there is a security to being in, in certain places in, like, so, like... It's that weird as it is to say, there's a security in, to being in Perch. Yeah. In that weird stuff doesn't really happen there. Like, you're, the pub you're in might fall off. Yes, but it, it won't be sucked into an endless void. Yes, precisely. And talking of the endless void, morticians. Yes, separate from the heart. Mm, separate from the heart. Um, so the morticians, um, it, this is one of the first factions which we detail... Um, rather than a rather than the place we get onto the Necropolis later, which was a um, which was a Kickstarter stretch goal, which we managed to get into the core book, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the magicians are well. I'm I'm a big goth, <laughs> big old goth. I'm a big old goth. Um, I don't always dress goth. It's something that I slip into sometimes. But I really love the aesthetics. I really love. Um, I really like the way the Catholic Church looks. And all of their pomp and circumstance, I like that around it. And you and like so goat I, skulls. Sorry? You like goat skulls. I like goat skulls. I like skulls. Yeah. You know, especially goat skulls, bull skulls, that sort of thing. And so, as we mentioned earlier in the character creation um, section of this uh, commentary, we have two rival death sects. The morticians are the ones in charge, and the, the channelites are the ones who are trying to take over. As it were. Yep. And the morticians are the the legal faction. Yeah. Um which gives them the most wonderful uh thing of the fact that they can they 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 declare people dead. Yeah. Even if they're not dead. Yeah, kind of a I think we wanted to underline how weird the rules were and the laws were in Spire. Yeah, how bizarre the bureaucracy is. Mm. And so Condemning people to death requires marking them as legally dead and then correcting the error by killing them. Yes. And it's the mortician's job to do that. Yes, and so you get these badass motherfuckers executioners walking around with their big hats on. Which is, again, another campaign frame you can play in. Yeah, if you wanted. Um, I think, like... I I think, for me, I'm not really interested in playing stuff on the side of the state. No, but this is the... safest... Yes, certainly. And, like, there's quite a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of drow in the morticians. Yes, this is the least problematic campaign <laughs> frame you can possibly do whilst playing the state. Yes, and I think, like, it opens up a lot of interesting questions, like, but why are we killing these people? And then and then you've got the film Wanted, which is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, this, this, uh, this sentence, can, this, this section contains my favourite word in the book, which is Kalamavkarai. <laughs> which is a hat. Uh, dressed in a stark ceremonial, bla- dressed in stark ceremonial black and white robes, in a variety of monochrome tippets, chimeras, chasubles, mitres, galeri, and kalamavkaroi, and bearing their spears of office. I just like I believe a kalamavkaroi is a kind of hat. I it don't is. really remember, but it I is. really love that it word. Is a very, I, very fancy hat. 
Chris and I went on the deep dive into names for hats and <laughs> scarves. Religious hats. Yeah, it's a religious hats. I think I think it's um, Greek Orthodox. Yeah, I believe so. I believe. Um, they also they also do undying stuff. Yes, the undying surgery where you fix somebody at a specific age forever. Yeah. Can you can you talk to us about undying? So the method methodology of undying is you take somebody's heart out, mm-hmm. um, store it somewhere, mm-hmm. put some magic them, in, generally, and then they then they're fixed at an age. And certain groups do this very young. Mm-hmm. Um, there's members of the council who have had it when they're quite old, mm-hmm. but. It, the only way to, to really sort of have somebody die of old age is by destroying the heart. Mm. Well, you can destroy the body as well. Well, yes, you can destroy the, the body, a, but destroying the destroying heart, heart is, is a quick way to do it. Is a quick way to do it. Um, and so you've got people who are essentially in bondage mm. by somebody else owning their heart after undying yeah. surgery. We, I, th- I think it was. It's a fairly on the nose comment about. Um, healthcare being only available to the rich yeah um, but the fact that death is now avoidable and that's the thing like death is currently avoidable if you have money it's just it's just how far you can push it yeah you know like you can get your organs replaced that's fine if your organs aren't working properly if you can afford it and this just seemed like the most fantasy way to do that in, 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 in that you don't die um, but also the fact that you don't die but you look horrendous yes like um, they don't like you smell of embalming fluid, and dogs hate you. You're not right, and also no. like generally, if you play an undying character, you won't be able to afford um, a good a good surgeon. So you have to keep going back for checkups and maintenance, <laughs> topping up of fluids, etc. Basically, yeah, um, and th- and, th- and there's that body horror there as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, let's let's talk about the necropolis. Yeah, this and is the, the difficulties of putting in a, a new place. Yeah, so this is this is one of the stretch goals for mm. the Kickstarter, and it's really hard just inserting a new place with a completely unique feel, a new district, a new district into a mm. book where you think you've covered all your bases. Yeah, we we wanted to try and give give Spire the sense that it all hung together, mm. and so um, we, we 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 held a community vote. As to where they wanted it, and what kind of vibe they wanted on it, and so it was like, do you want it low society, high society, religion, or somewhere weird? And there was what kind of um, what kind of what kind of domain are you interested in, in it covering? And what we got was occult and somewhere weird, which we so, kind of knew as soon as we put those options in was going to happen. Yeah, pretty much. But we, um, and also that's kind of that's what that's what we're most comfortable writing. And, and and if we had it as somewhere weird, we could like, I'm going to say like we did kind of skew the poll that way a little bit. Not we didn't cheat. We just made it somewhere weird. Like he's not going to choose somewhere weird. Exactly. Right? So, um, point is, we tried writing a dreamscape. We tried writing the Night City. Yeah. Which was a, an. An other spire which you could access by going to certain places. So there was there, there was kind of the idea that you could dream your way there, but also if you go down certain streets at certain times of night, you can get to other places. A bit like uh, a bit like, like vanishing the, point, like vanishing point, or actually I suppose a bit like the um the, you know the elevator game, yeah, uh, which is a which is a Japanese um, urban legend, in that you ride an elevator to certain levels and then get out and you've 
transported to a different place, a different dimension. Um, that that proved difficult. <laughs> yes. Because what we kind of ended up with, like, we wanted to have... Uh, I wanted to have... Each each one of these places sat within another district and was kind of the soul of that district. Yeah. So in the garden, you could access a forest. And in the works, you could access, like, a, 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 a never-ceasing um, uh, press... And it just felt a bit like we were trying to write high-level stuff. It didn't work. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it gelled. Yeah. Um, we do mention nice Night City somewhere briefly in Black Magic, but just as a throwaway thing. Yes, so rather in, than the, the section it was meant to be. Yeah. So instead, we did an Necropolis. And the Necropolis is the spine of Spire. It goes right up the middle, and this is where the morticians live and work. They... Um, it was quite nice to go and get real goth with it. Yes, like the Hall of Ancestors. Yes, I'm really happy with the Hall of Ancestors. I'm quite just with that. Where the stuffed dead relatives of Elphir live and remain. Can I recommend those of you who are those of you those of you who are listening, even if your players never go to the Necropolis, any time they walk into a big enough Elphir mansion, put an ancestral hall in it. <laughs> yep. Like like it's it's that it, perhaps they're an old fashioned Elphia now, and 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 they walk in there and they have just the previous five generations stuffed and in realistic positions. Plus, there's stuffed drow in there too. Yeah, some stuffed drow, like like especially beloved servants, weird <laughs> weird goats, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like it was it was fun to sort of play around, and it felt because this place is just covered in um, the dead. And ghosts and magic and stuff. We could get a bit daft with it. Yeah, um, and it so gave like, us the ability to do haunted sections and reinforce yeah. ghosts as a thing in the setting. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've got um, like Speak with Dead. The box out Speak with Dead is uh, me again, Chris not telling me to stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I try to take things where like this is kind of how I run games normally in that I'll try and take two things and mash them together until a third thing comes out and then the players think I came up with it myself yeah which is great um and things like um the retro astrologists of the obsidian orrery which is a mouthful it's a bit to say uh but they uh they have an orrery which they change um which because because they're Elphia they believe that the orrery is more... The, the thing they have built is more accurate than the stars, and because this is Spire, it is. And yeah. they can fuck with it and, cha- and change the official position of the stars. And you've got the, the cult of necrofusomancy, which I ah, love saying. It's, I don't like saying it. Necrofusomancy. Necrofusomancy. So it's, um, it's, it's a really dodgy Latin translation I did, um, which means <laughs> dead city. Um, dead city magicians. I think like uh, I, th- I think we had like necro. Well, it would be necropolomancy, which would d- which didn't quite read right, seeing as it was called the necropolis to start with. Yeah, but yeah, fusy is I think town or building or structure. I forget. It's it's the sort of cobbled together schoolboy Latin which most old old fashioned things are written in. <laughs> yeah, but they be- they're they're one of the cults that believe that the the spire was alive. And is now dead, and they can animate it. And they can animate it and read things from it. Yeah, we haven't put rules in for them, but we should probably get something around that, because that sounds cool. It does, rather. 
we could probably get those in somewhere. I yeah, imagine we'll like you know, in, in. yeah, well, in, in, a, in a later splat book. Yeah, I'd like so in the so the Necropolis was that was basically mine. I wrote that on a train. Um, and then, and then yeah, just like chuck that out half an hour, whatever. Well, it wasn't it wasn't half an hour. Like it was it was it was two six hour train journeys. Yeah, no, I know. Um, where, where, where I read it up and refined it, but like Chris didn't have a huge um, say in that, as it were. Like obviously he's, he's given every, he's given everything the thumbs up, and between the two of us, we worked out what the hell choke was. Yeah, I love choke. Uh, we had a real struggle with that, but the midwives is very much more Chris's deal. Yeah, the midwives completely informing the uh, life cycle of the drow. Mm. Yeah, where they're uh, we, born with small legs and then cared for by the midwives. Mm. We've discussed a lot of um, a lot of them in the in the character creation chapter. Is there anything here? Which is there anything we should like to mention about them? Like the different levels of society, or like what sort of roles we wanted them to play in the stories. Um, so this kind of goes a little bit more into the background of the of the midwives and talking about Ishkra there their deity hmm. um, who may or may not have been a real person or big spider or big spider yeah um, but it talks a little bit about blood vintages which is an interesting concept hmm. where the blood that's fed to the younger the younger drow fetuses egg sacs um, fetus let's, let's go with fetus let's go with fetus um, can affect the child so if you can get some very very fancy noble blood, mm. so, so it's it's believed it can affect. Yes, the it's child. believed. Um, then that will change the child and make them more prone to being noble themselves. Mm. I, I, I will say one thing as well. Like I'm not, I'm not hugely excited about the idea of. Um, nobility or like pure bloodedness as a neutral plot element no like I think when we talk about nobility we're, we're generally we're poking fun mm-hmm. at that in that it doesn't matter who your dad was it doesn't matter where you're from um, everyone everyone has the same intrinsic worth but there like a, lo- a lot of high society comes out of like oh well your granddad beat up my granddad so let's have a fight yeah you know, I mean, so, that's, that's why uh, sorry. this whole wars fought in the home nations yes um, and like I think we wanted to sort of poke fun at that and then not have that feature in low society but so like blood vintages are rumoured to work yes I they, think they and, probably you know, don't work yes and, and people do believe I, I like the idea that it's what we got one, one of your ideas it was not uncommon for a drow of good standing who was down their luck to sell their blood for profit and even less uncommon for a drow of poor standing to do the same and lie about their heritage yeah yeah, so you don't know what you're getting, but either way, the fetus needs some amount of blood. Yeah. Not tons and tons and tons of it, but... It's not like vats of blood. No. You're like, we didn't want to... I don't know, it's weird, because, like, as, we, as I mentioned earlier, we had we had someone complain about this um, during the Kickstarter, and, like, how um, drow are just squishing out hundreds of eggs into vats of blood... And we actually saw it more as like they get they get kind of like a thumb sized lump, about maybe like between one and three of those, and then they have to take care of them. Yeah, and, th- and, and, like, that in, and, and like blood is a is a useful thing which can be absorbed through the um, semi permeable egg. And we're, and we're talking pipettes. Yeah, rather um, than like, like dunking like, them in thirty liters, or like or like um, like like spoonfuls. 
um, yeah. r- rather than having enormous vats and you know Countess Bathory knocking around there. It's um, it's much more it's cuter than that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like you you actually you end up with a sort of um, NCIU. Yeah, you've where... got you've got a very one of the thing one of the things about Drow is that they they're young and more uh, almost more vulnerable. Yeah, than the young of a of a human, because the mm. human mother can run. Yeah. Whereas the egg can't. Yeah. Do Althea get pregnant? Sure, they must. Yeah, they must do. I mean, they've got kids. Yeah. I just I mean, we've never discussed how that works. We've never detailed it. No. I think I, I figure that like 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 they just they just look more and more robust and then go and stand behind a screen for a few minutes and the child is there. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine every pregnant Althea looks like Beyonce. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then. In that level of oh, I see, yeah, oh, a, a, a fertility goddess, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, let's move on. Let's. The Spire Director's Commentary Podcast is a companion to the Spire RPG and features Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. The music is by Arokia, hosted on freesound.org and used under the Creative Commons license. To learn more about Spire. Explore related products or buy your own copy, go to rowanrookanddeckard.com. <laughs>